Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup, episode 66 for the week ending Monday, July 18th, 2016. This is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andile Masugu, glad you could tune in. A little later on in today's show, I catch up with South African startup founder Yaku Finsale, whose app Pulsit aspires to giving existing players in the online voucher space that's firms like Voucher Cloud, Groupon, and Trumpet a run for their money. But that's all later. Coming up in this week's news, Code Academy has secured some serious investment to the tune of $30 million, uh, thanks to Naspers and others. And Ethiopia blocks social media access in a bid to stop people cheating on university entrance exams. That's all later. But do remember, if you've missed any of our past episodes, you can catch up anytime you like just click through to africantechroundup.com also we love to hear from you so do give us a shout on twitter at african roundup and on facebook at facebook.com forward slash african tech roundup but before we get on with the show this episode of the african tech roundup is brought to you by freshbooks now freshbooks is the easy to use invoicing software designed to help you get organized save time invoicing and get paid faster FreshBooks is offering listeners of the African Tech Roundup a 30-day free trial to put their service to the test. So go ahead and try it out for free at gofreshbooks.com forward slash African Tech. Right now, I just want to take a moment to share some listener feedback we received this past week. It comes in the wake of our coverage of the news of Facebook's plans to roll out a new open source wireless platform called Open Cellular. In covering the story, I made mention of the Kenyan startup Brick. That's B-R-C-K. They produce a similar system, which now faces the prospect of going head-to-head with Open Cellular, which is, of course, backed by the digital behemoth that is Facebook. Now, I'm going to read the open letter that David Cobia wrote me and the folks at iAfrican.com. They also covered the story quite extensively last week. So once I read it, I'll then respond to it. So here goes. Hi, Andy Lair. First, let me say that I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Thank you, David. Uh, the pragmatism you and Defo exercise while reviewing tech happenings on the continent and even with your guests makes for quite a rewarding listen. No one gets a pass. I have to say, however, that your recent post, uh, that would be episode 65, and a related one on iAfrican.com could almost be misconstrued as celebratory or gleeful. Crush is such a strong word. Now, that's the word we obviously used in uh, the, the headline we used, uh, asking the question, could Facebook's open cellular crush brick now according to david he says crush is such a strong word maybe it is the appropriate word and perhaps warranted i don't know doing a tech startup in africa is so intensely difficult that it requires the kind of fervor that could lead one to madness try and imagine building a product going through the challenges of finding talent and raising money while dealing with issues of who can raise money and who can't and what actually constitutes a real african tech startup Anyhow, keep up the good work, David Cobia. Disclosure, I work at Brick. Ooh, wow. So, David, that letter you wrote kind of breaks my heart. You know, as, as you pointed out in your letter, since inception, the team at the African Tech Roundup has been committed to bringing our audience the most essential digital tech and innovation highlights from across the continent and beyond. What we try and do is infuse the headlines with our own unique brand of idealism, pragmatism and critical analysis now <laughs> i certainly i certainly lean towards the idealistic side and t- therefore tends to to be more of the pragmatist but both of us tend to approach most things 
with a critical eye and, and try to be um, a, as objective as possible. And sometimes in doing that, we've often called people out for the sake of trying to elevate discussions that we see happening or not happening in the cybersphere that, you know, essentially perpetuate half-baked narratives and therefore stunt the growth of our ecosystem. Sometimes I do have to admit, though, that in pursuit of challenging the status quo and, you know, doing our best to contribute meaningfully to, to the dialogue, there might be a tendency to forget that there are some real people who we impact by what we say and that, you know, we are now the world's biggest African tech podcast on iTunes. No small thanks to listeners like you, David. And the irony is that we're technically a startup ourselves, and in many respects, we totally understand and relate to the hustle you, you described in your letter. You'd think that we'd be the last to forget what it's like for the little guys working in the trenches of the startup world. People like you, David, who are grafting in what has to be one of the toughest places in the world to build something significant from scratch, this beautiful place we call Africa. And so all I'm trying to say in, in so many words is that, you know, we meant no harm or disrespect by speculating that Brick might suffer a fatal hit if Facebook's open cellular platform takes off. And even though I might have sounded a tad, you know, flippant or nonchalant when I reported on the story, that's certainly not the outcome that would delight me or the team here at the African Tech Roundup. And as a regular listener of the show, I'm sure you know, David, that it's the large incumbents like Facebook, MTN, the banks, we often take to task for not being as awesome as we all expect them to be half the time. And so trust me, uh, you know, sometimes even doing that comes at a cost, which, you know, uh, I'm not asking you to cry any tears for us or anything, but I just want you and, and everyone listening to know that the team here at the African Tech Roundup wishes for Brick what we wish for hardworking startups all over the continent, um, continued growth and success. In your case specifically, I certainly hope that Brick has the wherewithal to thrive in the wake of Facebook's march towards total world domination, which seems inevitable at this point. Um, but if you guys were to sort of come out on the other side stronger and quite frankly, just alive, you'd give us all something to brag about. So here's to hoping that happens. Uh, and thanks again for writing in, David. Do stay listening. I know I've given a very a much longer response to your letter than your letter was. To everyone listening, remember that you too can air your views on the show, either by writing us or sending us an audio note via email. Our address is hello at africantechroundup.com. Let's keep the conversation going, Africa. It's quite affirming to hear you speak back, even when you don't agree with everything we have to say on the show. Um, it's quite important that we get a dialogue going that will benefit our ecosystem as a whole. Now, with all that said, it's on to this week's news. First up, South African mobile telco cell C has reported that they've added over 1 million new customers through partnerships with mobile virtual network operators, also known as MVNOs, um, the likes of First National Bank, uh, which they have quite a high-profile partnership with, uh, come to mind. Look, that's substantial growth for a mobile operator like cell C, which has only about 24 million customers. It's certainly a lot smaller than Vodacom and MTN here in South Africa, but it's certainly much needed affirmation for Celsius corporate leadership, the folks who greenlit the significant investment that was required to build what is currently South Africa's only dedicated MVNO platform. With those kind of results, though, I fully expect Celsius larger competition to join the party soon enough.
Now, staying with South African news, the New York-based Code Academy has secured a $30 million Series C investment led by Naspers through its Naspers Ventures division. Now, Code Academy provides a path for learners to become coding experts without having to attend a traditional education institution. Now, think Andela, uh, but not nearly as hard to get in uh, and perhaps uh, <laughs> no guarantee of a job at the end of the training term. Lots of success stories they post on the site for you to have a sense of what's possible if you just apply yourself to the courses, they, the training they have available on the site. And it's all for free, which is, which is great. What Code Academy does is teach basic concepts behind programming languages such as HTML, JavaScript, Python, Ruby, PHP, uh, and uh, APIs by getting learners to write the code as they learn it while getting constant feedback from peers. Now, they plan to grow the platform with the funds they've received, grow its team, accommodate further international growth, extend capabilities of the platform uh, by building a mobile presence, uh, developing a new and more uh, holistic course content, uh, all in an effort to serve you know, users better. Code Academy's existing investors include Union Square Ventures, Flybridge Capital Partners, Index Ventures, and of course, the illustrious Sir Richard Branson, who all contributed to uh, the Series C round, which was, again was led by South Africa's very own Nasperis, which is really great. I'm certainly lifting a glass to this news. Now to Kenya next, where the Nairobi-based logistics startup Sendi is getting in on the ride-hailing business. They've announced that they'll be launching something called Sendi Ride. They've promised it will be a Boda Boda and taxi hailing service. Now, Boda Boda, of course, is a motorcycle taxi. <laughs> You've never seen that go down? Well, do yourself a favor and Google it. Better yet, visit Nairobi and uh, try one out for yourself. Uh, you'll soon be able to use the Sendi app to hail one of these motorcycle taxis or indeed a taxi if you prefer. Uh, but what Sendi's planning to do is leverage their competencies in the logistics business. They they plan to use a mobile app to connect motorcycle riders, drivers of vans, pickup trucks uh, to, to customers wishing to send packages and documents. Now, customers will be able to track the movement and location of their package in real time. Uh, they'll be getting notifications detailing the name of the rider and the point of delivery. And then, of course, pay once the delivery has successfully been made. Now, given Sandy's experience with handling massive logistics within Nairobi, they're totally planning to leverage their experience and their competencies in this space. And they and they feel they have a massive advantage uh, compared to other operators who might be doing this business for the very first time. It's certainly getting quite crowded in this space, but um, Sandy definitely coming to market with a, a pretty unique proposition, uh, the plan to carry packages as opposed to people. Let's see how well this works. Uh, there's certainly a lot of other much bigger players who, you know, if this was a success, could might very well turn their attention to developing a service. And I, I mean, I think of someone, anyone from FedEx to DHL could very well just uh, create an add-on service to what they already do and, and make use of the infrastructure they already have to make this happen. But perhaps uh, Nairobi is unique in that regard. Um, that Nairobi traffic, of course, being legendary. Uh, perhaps Cindy do have a legitimate advantage over even some of the larger international players like DHL and FedEx. Here's to hoping, hey? You know, meanwhile, Uber is not standing still. <laughs> They're still doing everything they can to consolidate what's a very clear lead ahead of all the rest of the players in the space. They've announced in Kenya that they'll be partnering with City and Bank to offer Uber drivers car loans. 
Now, the scheme is designed to help existing Uber drivers who have a minimum of 500 trips and an average rating of 4.6 points get vehicles of their own. Now, City and Bank has set aside just shy of $100 million to get the car loan scheme going, and they're offering up to a 100% car loan financing deal for, for drivers who obviously qualify. And the maximum amount you can expect to be granted should you apply is $15,000. Now, staying with news out of Kenya, Kenya's Communications Authority has unveiled a new radio frequency identification system that will enable them to independently determine and verify the quality of service offered to consumers of public postal services. Now, the technology has the ability to automatically read and record timestamp movements of test mails across various postal distribution systems across the country. It will be able to monitor delivery timelines of letters at key points in the mail processing system. And it will also assess the achievement of the SEPT's quality of service targets. Now, the public postal system in sub-Saharan Africa is shocking, uh, to say the least. And yet, in many ways, it has the potential to be awesome if it's just run right. And, and so this system has been developed in collaboration with the Universal Postal Union. And as part of a series of measures that they're trying to put in place to ensure that customers can track their packages through electronic mechanisms to ascertain the location for both inbound and outbound international packages. Now, this is a big deal with e-commerce taking off all over the world. It's definitely a no-brainer for governments to try and get their public postal services right. Well done to you, Kenya, for taking some firm steps into that direction. Here's to hoping other countries around you follow suit and give the private courier business a run for their money. And so finally, we go to Ethiopia, where government authorities in that country reportedly blocked access to social networking sites for several days last week. They were... <laughs> This is hilarious. They actually came out saying that they didn't want students to be distracted during this exam period. And also that the increased use of social networking sites has made it much easier for, for exam questions to get leaked and for students to cheat. They did say it was a temporary measure until the exams would be written. And so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Viber were reportedly inaccessible during that time which of course did not sit well with many internet users in the country who resorted to the use of VPNs to bypass those restrictions. Now, here's yet another African government that's demonstrating what they would do if they had complete power to control public access to the internet. I don't know, what do you think? Does the end justify the means in this case? Was your right as a global citizen to access the internet supersede any right a government has to try and do a good thing even? Tell me what you think. Give us a shout on Twitter at African Roundup. Now, that's the week's headlines, folks. As promised, though, I'm going to share a snippet from a conversation I had with South African startup founder Yaku Fensale. He's the founder of an app called Pulsit, which aspires to giving existing players in the online voucher space a run for their money. Now, in a previous episode, Lyndon Munetzi joined me as a guest host on the show. He was at the time the MD of the Vodafone-owned Voucher Cloud service. Uh, he now inhabits an executive role at Accenture. Uh, and then, of course, more recently, I had a chat with Charles Murray, who is the MD at Trumpet, a startup owned by the Fastcom Group, which is, of course, backed by South African billionaire Patrice Motsepe. Now, it's been interesting to observe, you know, since first having Lyndon on the show some months ago, um, how bullish certain VCs and major tech groups have become on the multi-billion dollar potential of the online voucher business. Now, when I chatted with Jakob Fensel, I asked him to explain what the draw is and, and why he thinks Pulsit has what it takes not only to steal market share from more established international players like Groupon, Voucher Cloud, and Shazam, but also 
you know, the wherewithal to fend off newer players like Trumpet, who are just as hungry for success. Now take a listen to this. Jakob Fersel, you are the co-founder and the managing director of a nippy little startup called Pulsit. Uh, tell me a little bit about it. Pulsit is a, is a brand new innovative uh, platform that uh, we launched. And it's got to do with uh, location-based marketing as well as uh, audio recognition and so forth. So the idea was to bring a platform to the ground that actually communicate with consumers um, at the right time as well as, the, as well as at the right place. It also gives uh, our clients the opportunity to communicate to those consumers. So we packaged this all into one nippy little application called Pulsit and uh, quite excited to, to bring it to the consumers. Now, there's a theme developing here at the African Tech Roundup where uh, we featured the, the MD of Voucher Cloud uh, late last year. Uh, more recently, uh, we spoke to the MD of Trumpet, and now we're speaking to you. Is the market in the online voucher scene as lucrative as all that? There seems to be quite a lot of excitement around creating solutions in that space. What have you identified that has uh, made you join what seems to be quite a crowded space? Well, you know, you only have to, to look back at the, the evolution of uh, smartphones itself. Um, firstly, to address the question directly around vouchering and so forth, it's a massive trend uh, overseas. Um, and South Africa at this stage is, is fairly quickly uh, catching up, um, especially with the likes of voucher cloud and so forth. But if you look, if you take a step back and you look at the the evolution of, of smartphones, um, you know, people, uh, why are smartphones so popular? Why do every single person want a smartphone? And there's four predominant reasons for that. The first one is uh, social inclusion. Second one is uh, digital inclusion. Third one is financial inclusion, and the the fourth one is information inclusion. So that sprung the, the popularity of smartphones because people wanted to be part of something. They wanted to be part of this evolution and they wanted to be connected. They wanted to, to be interconnected and they wanted to be able to share. Now, all of a sudden, that platform has moved from those four inclusions and those four, t- four types of inclusion and it's moved to relevant content. And what is a better way of delivering relevant content is to offer vouchers and offer people the opportunity to partake in a certain campaign or to partake in, um, you know, trading and and so forth. So your smartphone actually becomes this medium that connects you to the rest of the world. And I know that's being said over and over and over again, but but that's the crux of a smartphone is that you have the opportunity to be part of something and now it takes a step further. And that step further is, is able to benefit from that smartphone itself. And I happened upon this idea, this uh, happened upon Pulsit um, through the Lions. You have an affiliation with the Lions Rugby rugby Club. It's almost indirectly an affiliation with the Springboks, given the Lions are pretty much <laughs> 60% of the squad. Um, but no, uh, you obviously have this affiliation with the Lions uh, Rugby Club. And I happened upon some of the campaigns you're running with them in their stadiums. Speaking to, the, to, to this idea that you're speaking about as far as people wanting to be part of something, including something. And then, of course, the brands wanting to, to communicate via channels that sports fans and, and, and followers and, and early adopters are part of. Tell me how you've gone about building a model around this trend. There's a two-prone approach. The first, first approach is that you want to deliver relevant content to the consumer. Take it a step further that the consumer doesn't want to just search for the content. The content needs to be delivered to a consumer. And you get consumer profiling and so forth and so forth. So 
we, we took the approach to develop a platform, number one, for the consumer to deliver relevant content to that consumer at the right time, at the right place. That's crucial. I don't want information delivered to me if I'm not necessarily in a spot that I want that information. So the platform works that we can deliver content to you based on your location. We can deliver content to you based on actions that you do. So you might open the application when you hear a certain song or you hear the Lions Anthem or something like that, and then relevant content is delivered to you. When it moves over to our partners and our affiliations and our clients like the Lions so forth, they want to communicate and they want to engage with that consumer that's at the stadium. So this platform gives them the opportunity to communicate relevant content to the consumer that's at the stadium um, at that specific time, and then also entice certain behaviors. So for instance, while the Lions anthem is playing, we can deliver a, a drinks voucher or a meal voucher to the consumer, which they can redeem at the stadium itself. So we looked at the platform as how do we address both those um, you know, uh, ideas and how do we develop the platform to be able to, to cope with that. So our technology is quite innovative in the sense that it, there's never before a, a platform uh, designed that integrates uh, audio technology as well as Bluetooth beacon technology, as well as geofencing technology, as well as, as well as QR code technology. We have one platform that addresses all those technologies in order to be able to communic communicate to a consumer relevant on-time communication, as well as give the opportunity to the clients to uh, communicate that communication to the consumers. Okay, so let me uh, clarify for our listeners who might not have experienced uh, the, the full, you know, your app in action. So I'm at a Lions game. I've downloaded the app. Um, there's certain cues, audible cues, that um, you've worked with the, the Lions club to make sure, you know, of course, if you're at the stadium, there's all sorts of things playing. And based on those cues uh, and my app being on, I'm, I'm fed with information that either, you know, maybe score updates while I'm at the loo or... Um, perhaps, uh, like you say, vouchers to, to drinks and food and that kind of thing, or cheaper tickets to the next match and that kind of thing. What's the model around working with a client who comes on board with you? Are you going in to make bespoke marketing opportunities like that for each client, or is it up to them to sort of figure out how to make the, the app work for them? Currently, we treat every single client as on a bespoke um, uh, campaign basis. So, so we actually had quite an intensive uh, strategy session with the the lines beforehand to decide what is it that they want to communicate to to their their um, audience on the day. So, we we use both technologies. We use the well three technologies actually. We use the geofence technology, we use the Bluetooth technology, as well as the audio. So, when the 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 fan actually arrived at the stadium, they would get a a pop up notification explaining to them exactly where they are within the stadium and how to get to the seat. Then we would do constant uh, score updates through the geofence um, uh, technology, which delivers to-the-minute score updates. And then when the Lions Anthem played, we delivered the vouchers to them for the meals and for the drinks and so forth. But all of these were planned with the client in mind of what do they want to deliver to the consumer, what is the, the, the objective that they want afterwards, as well as how do they entice engagement with the consumer. Then we go further. Um, pretty soon we'll be, be launching our um, voucher swapping capability, where we're going to start creating a, cons a whole new consumer behavior, which has never been done in South Africa. You have the likes of Voucher Cloud and so forth and so forth that delivers vouchers to consumers. But 
we identified a space in the market where we can create a new behavior. And this behavior would be where I might be, think of a cool brand, a diesel fan. And diesel have a campaign that they run through our platform where they give a 10% discount on any diesel clothing. And you might be a different brand friend, but you, because you're in a certain location, you collect that voucher from that brand, but you not necessarily want to redeem that, that voucher because you're not really a fan of that brand. But you know, because we are connected within the platform that we are friends and I'm that, that fan. So now you can actually communicate with me and say, Yaku, listen, I've got a 10% discount voucher on X brand. And I say, and you, and you can see that I've got a 10% discount voucher on a certain brand. Now you can say to me, let's swap it. So all of a sudden, I give you my voucher and you give me your voucher. That drives further exposure for the brands, number one. Number two, it increases the likelihood that I will be actually going and redeeming that voucher and partaking in the, in the platform itself. So one, to answer your question again, one, yes, we do bespoke campaigning. But number two is ultimately we're going to create a new consumer behavior within South Africa where we create voucher swapping and voucher um, redeeming. Right, so I, I think you've made an excellent argument for why brands would want to speak to you, particularly brands with an existing database of, of followers and fans. What is the value to the end user like me? What, what's the incentive to add your app to the millions of apps that uh, I already have on my phone and hardly have space for and also use it as a social tool, which is what you're suggesting? Number one, convenience. So, for instance... Uh, Let's say you're watching a, a Virgin Active uh, advert on TV and um, you really want to partake in, in, in the membership. Now, all of a sudden, because our technology is integrated in that form of media, above-the-line media, we can actually communicate discount to you directly on your device. So no longer do you have to wait or then go revisit their website or go to a, 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 a branch and, and request the the promotion that has been advertised that promotion can be directly delivered to you and you can redeem it immediately so it gives you convenience secondly is it's definitely that social remember a little uh, earlier i said to you that um, you know a big reason for smartphones is uh, social inclusion and there's many forms of social inclusion the social inclusion that that Pulsed offers is that you are you are benefiting from the social inclusion, whereby you know that you will get relevant content, content that you want, content that you want at the right time at the right place. But that content you can now actually share with someone with you or that's with you in in the platform. So number one, I receive the content, but I can actually share that content with someone else. So no longer do I only receive the content for myself, but I can now start receiving content for my friends and family. So I know that my fiance, for instance, she likes Chanel, and I can receive, I can actually col collect a Chanel discount voucher because I know I can actually share that with my with my fiance, and that again puts me in the good books of my fiance. So you actually expand your social community, and and your social community starts benefiting you in different ways. Yeah, look, the more you speak, I mean, I think of a platform like Shazam, who I think, um, while I don't think they've figured out how to monetize as well as they'd like. Um, uh, certainly the value proposition to the end user downloading their app is pretty pretty clear. Look, there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes in terms of monetizing the data, monetizing your presence on the platform, making it valuable to, 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 the, to, to clients behind the scenes. But for you as the user, you download the app so that whenever there's a song you're not sure of, you can sort of wave your phone in the air and know what that song is and there's a social vibe to that and it's great and, and it feels like 
they're doing you a favor. So in, in your mind, um, is the voucher sharing aspect of your app what you're trying to do to make your app come across as a value add to the user? Definitely. In essence, for us to you know, have the consumer retention and have the loyalty to the, to the application or to the platform itself, the vouchering and the vouchering swapping and the being able to trade and to be able to social within our application itself becomes vitally important. Um, and we we recently launched a campaign in order to entice people onto the pl- the, the platform, and we're going to take them through a journey in order to understand how our vouchering system is going to work and what benefit they can actually get from from being on the platform. So, uh, when you say campaign, you, you've actually preempted the next question I was going to have. What's your business development cycle around onboarding users to the app directly? and clients on the back end, uh, brands obviously looking to, to, to communicate with users. So we, we've got a very, very uh, good business plan and roadmap uh, going forward for the rest of the year. Recently, we, we launched a campaign called uh, Pulse at Price Drop, um, where we entice people to do certain uh, actions in order to um, uh, get rewarded through prizes and so forth. And then w- through that journey, we actually educate the consumer in order to understand where the platform is going and how big the platform is going to get. Whilst we are doing that, we are approaching our sponsors and our, and our clients in order to become part of the Pulse Price Drop campaign in order to tie in our consumers and our valuable brands to the, the rewarding of uh, actions. So our consumer um, uh, has to perform certain actions. They get rewarded for those actions. Our clients become part of it because they get associated with that reward uh, program. And that will lead us into launching the vouchering and the swapping in the social community. So we've got a very good business roadmap for the rest of the year. How do people listening now, as far as users are concerned, how, where can they go to, to start to get a taste for the platform you're building and see if this is something they'll tell their friends about and, uh, and uh, adopt? Sure. So the, the application is available on both the Android store, the Play Store, as well as the, the iOS store. That's Pulsit, right? P-U-L-S-E-I-T. So they can either go straight to the stores or they can visit our website, which is www.pulseitnow.com, um, and that will take them straight through to, to the uh, applications as well. And what I would like to mention is is the campaign running at the moment, the, the Pulsit price drop, um, up entice the consumers to, to partake in the price drop, and that will give them a taste of how the application works, and uh, we'll do consumer education on the voucher swapping and the social community uh, launching very soon. Many thanks to Yaku van Sel of Pulsit for sharing his insights with me. To listen to the full conversation I had with Yaku, just head on over to our SoundCloud account, and you'll find it in the Quick Chats playlist. That's at soundcloud.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. Right, now once again, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is offering listeners of the African Tech Roundup a 30-day free trial to put their service to the test. Now go ahead and find out what all the fuss is about and try it out for free at gofreshbooks.com forward slash African Tech. And that's the week's show, folks. You can catch it again next week, Monday, on africantechroundup.com. That's at 9 a.m. Central African time. Until then, I'm Andile Masugu signing off. Take it easy, Africa.